0: As we've been doing this life series, I know this is, speaks to my heart greatly because God has given me a series of words through my life with Him. I've known the Lord for over 40 years now, uh, which is older than some of you are, so God has, has had a chance to refine me, beat me up, sift me, uh, make me uh, hopefully closer to what He would like me to be, and I know I'm still a work in progress. I was also thinking about, you know, it's a little bit like um, the verse, uh, Revelation 3.20, When Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, I knock, and those who ask me in, I come in. He doesn't say, if you do this, if you do that, he says, I knock. I'm not going to barge my way in. The Holy Spirit is not going to just shove his way into your life. Jesus is not going to change you any more than you allow him to. Um, It's a little bit like a UPS driver that delivers a package to your door and say it's an expensive computer, and you get a sign for it. Well, you got to go to the door, open the door, and sign and say, I will accept this. Could be a gift, could be something you ordered, but it's definitely something for you that will maybe enrich your life. Well, this UPS driver is a little bit like Jesus knocking. You either sign up, say, yeah, I will accept this, or the package goes back and you may never get it or maybe come back another time. So I would say to you today as you hear God's word, spoken by Tim and, and by Terrence and Ken, and next week by Kyle, these life verses that God has spoken us with, think yourself as maybe answering the door to maybe a package that might be delivered to you even this morning or even next week or even prior weeks, that there's something for you of value, and not just another delivery left on the on the doorstep, but something that's got value. So as, as Kyle mentioned, this is the, the fourth of the series. I kind of didn't want to go forth because I figured... After Tim, Ken, and Terrence speak, what in the world can I say? They they had it pretty well nailed, and I'm going to refresh your memories a bit because I really think that the message that they gave uh, really builds to what God wants me to speak about this morning. Tim talked about God gave special words that are specifically given to you. That we reason why we these life verses. That it is something that resonates within your, with you for that season. And also, be sure not to take the verse out of context. I uh, mentioned about the story about the guy that asked for a uh, fancy car. And uh, then he saw a verse that said, asking you will receive, and hey, I should get to go get the car. But instead, no, that was out of context. So even my, ver- my words this morning, I want to have them in context of what Tim, Ken, Tara, and the next week Kyle shares. Also, I really want and pray for God to take these words I even speak this morning uh, and take Craig out of it and put the Holy Spirit in. So I pray that God would sift even my words, that it was something that would please him and speak to your heart. Tim also talked about Psalm 27 and Psalm 100 about David seeing the goodness of God. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Kent then talked about all scriptures, God inspired, God breathed, but sometimes God exhales something specific, and that's what we're talking about here. That Christianity is not about religion, it's about relationship with Him and then with each other. To read the Bible, both in the context and specific scriptures. And in Romans 2, verses 1 through 4, God's kindness leads you to repentance, and the need for God's kindness and grace to live a life of repentance. And the focus on Him is not on us. And in Terror last week, I just listened to it actually a couple times this week, really spoke to me. We're adopted by God. I mean, these foster families, these adoptive families that are here in this church, just speaks so much of God's grace and love in a real context. He talked about John eight thirty-five, we're free in Christ to relax in him. and and as adoptive parents, a lot of you in foster, you give a chance for kids to be free and relax in a safe place versus maybe where they've come from. That we as Christians can be in a safe place, even though sometimes the world can be pretty brutal out there. And we can bring that brutality into our own homes if we're not careful. So to be free in Christ was the message from from Terrence. As you all know, life is a journey. You know, we have a destination, it's heaven. And for those that have accepted Jesus Christ as a personal savior, it's it's a given our destination is heaven. I know where I'm going someday. Could be today. Most likely not. Uh, so in the meantime, life is a journey. It's all about why does God have me here? And that's what these life verses sometimes can give us some context and direction. I also used to do New Year's, New Year's Eve revolu- resolutions. I'm a, I'm a goal-driven guy, and I love having goals in my life. They help drive me. And the trouble with the life with those New Year's Eve resolutions is oftentimes I would fail at accomplishing them, and I finally figured out the main reason why. They were all about me. Self-improvement, get a handle on my weight, better exercise, better diet, better relationships, listen to my wife better, Uh, all those things that can help me become a better person, but it was about me. And what God did, I believe, is after many cycles of this, is I stopped asking for New Year's resolution goals. I just said, God, speak to me. I'm here whenever you want me to hear your voice. If it's if it's January one, great. If it's November thirteenth, fine. I don't care when. I don't care where. I don't care how. Please speak to me. My heart needs your voice in my life. And so I began this journey of asking God, is there something specific I should be focused on in my life? And then from that, He's given me a number of, of verses, a number of key phrases, as I know Terrence and Ken and uh, um, Tim talked, and Tim, Tim and Tim, Ken and Terrence talked about. So for the last 10 years, I'd say 10, 12 years, I've been praying specifically and intentionally for God to give me His plans, His goals for my life, and then help me understand how I can line up to those, versus, here's my plans, God, help me get them. Instead, my goal, my, my purpose was, God, tell me what your plans are, as much as I can see them, and help me line up to those things. And when you do that, God speaks a little differently to you, I believe. So the verse is my key verse for this morning, I'm going to come back to this is Romans 12.12. 12. And I'll tell you, as I tell my story, uh, how God gave me this scripture. The, ver- the, the um, International Version says it this way, I believe. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And uh, to quote my friend Tim Butler, we're going to unpack that a bit this morning. Uh, do you think there's joy, there's hope, there's patience, there's affliction. That's not so fun. There's faithfulness and prayer. And we'll talk about what those things mean. So I'm also going to help, I guess, uh, have you journey with me a little bit of my life. The Bible says, "To give yourself as a living sacrifice." And uh, my goal this morning also is to um, give my life to you a little bit, and inside of what's been in my heart, say the past 10 years or so that have brought me to this, this wonderful scripture, Romans 12:12. 12, 12. One of my other key scriptures that kind of built up to this is Romans 8:28. I want to throw that one up there. And we know that God, for those who love God, all things work together for the, for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I know in my heart, God has good for me. There are times that that can waver a bit, but I know in my heart, God has good for me. So whatever hits me, whatever comes my way, God, I know somehow, somewhere, you got some good in it for me. I may not get it right now, but I, I know that's a, it's just the core key of my underpinnings. And those that know me for a while probably get sick of me quoting Romans 8.28. It says further in Romans 38, For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, me, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's nothing, nothing. And sometimes we let things come in, Be reminded that nothing can come between us. And then Isaiah 42, um, God had been speaking to me a number of years back about my life, my relationship with other people, and I can be I'm a type A guy, I'm a highly goal-oriented guy, as I mentioned earlier, and my goal sometimes can bowl people over and can be uh, brusque and rude, and, and so God gave me Isaiah 42, a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench, he will faithfully bring forth justice. I want you to show that picture. So there's a reed, um, Greg and I were joking this morning as he puts these together, he's going to, thought about going out and take a picture of a reed and bending it, and so he, he broke a reed for me, that was a picture of a nicely stocked reed, but he bent it for me, and then there's a, there's a a candle with a wick. And when you think about that, the word the word to me, and if God speaks to you about this, great, if he doesn't, don't worry about it, but the word God spoke to me was that I need to see people sometimes as gently burning wicks. How hard is it to snuff it? Not very hard. You could blow on it, you could pinch your fingers on it, and take that little wick, or you could gently blow on it, and it might actually come alive again. It might actually flame again. And so, uh, God spoke to me about being gentle with people, because sometimes there are just a lightly burning wick that needs a gentle, not a direct, harsh, judgmental word, but a gentle word of encouragement, maybe a gentle breeze. And then a breed that is that is, is broken uh, could be easily, could manhandle that thing and break it further and snap it in half. And that's, again, that could be uh, someone you're talking to, someone that needs um, his word, maybe someone who's also been rude and brusque to you, uh, that God would say, you know what, treat that very gently. So that was a word for me. It wasn't to judge. It was basically to back away and see that Jesus, this is spoken of Jesus, who had every right to say to any of us, Tim, get your life straight, dude, or else. Instead, he says, Tim, come to me. I love you. So how we approach people, we need to approach them as Jesus approached people, which by and large was very gentle. And the only ones you really judge were the religious anyway, not those who were the real big sinners. So then fast forward as my life goes on, summer of 2010, uh, God gave me a wonderful verse. I was thrilled. I knew this was for me. It's Psalm 16, verses 5 and 6. I think it should go up there. Uh, The Lord is my chosen portion of my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So I looked about my life and went, God, I don't deserve a tenth of what you've given me. My job, my family, the home I live in, the stuff I have around me, the friends I have around me, the relationships, this church, I don't deserve any of this stuff. But you've given it to me. I'm so thankful. I look around me and go, the lions have fallen pleasantly. The land that I'm on, the place I live, was wonderful. And I knew that was for me, and I still know that was for me. I didn't realize that he meant that in a context of maybe some trouble that was coming. That even though trouble came into my life and challenges came into my life, that God still had a pleasantness about the lions he'd given me, even though it was really sorely tested. I got, I got hit sideways with some deep personal sorrow and disappointment that summer, that fall, actually, of 2010. I had a very sorrowful and dry season. I knew God was there, and those who know me know probably the rest of this story, but I, I knew God just took my wind out of my sails, and I, I, I never lost my love for the Lord, I never lost my trust in Him, but I definitely lost my, my hope and my joy. It was very elusive to me. I just couldn't do it. Probably for the first time in my life, I kind of got a feeling what depression is like. I know Tim and other counselors know and have dealt with people who live with depression. I did. I'd never really related to that. Well, I began to relate to it during the season. I was really depressed. I couldn't get out of it. No amount of encouragement just seemed to help me. Um, I'd get moments, and then I'd, I'd be just feel very, very dry, very depressed. And in that weakness and in that sorrow of that season, God uh, gave me another life verse. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now, as I look about you guys, I know most of you, if not all of you, have dealt with seasons of challenge where life just sucks. It's hard, and you felt like you have been dealt, you know, a bad hand, that, see, I don't deserve this, or maybe you do deserve this, Um, but when that happens, God is still with you, God is still faithful. God is still there, and it's the Word of God that brings you back. And it was the Word of God to me in January of of 2011, after that season of getting hit sideways, and the season didn't end, by the way, in January of 2000. It got worse, actually. Um, But my heart was changed. I I, I, I knew that God wanted me to be joyful in hope. There's a hope out there, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Patient in affliction, right. You know, it's fun to be afflicted and be patient and faithful in prayer, so this picture right here, this is actually in our kitchen. Uh, Stephanie did a great job of of uh, putting this on, on a canvas for us uh, to have there, and it reminds me every morning, as I'm having my cup of coffee, I look up and see this, to remind me of the Word of God for our family. It's a season for now, and has been since that, that time. God has not opened up another scripture as poignantly as this one for right now, for this is a season that God has given me to kind of stay with this verse and let it be my kind of milestone or my mile marker in life that I need to be these things and trust that God can help me. So anyway, when my life goes on, the challenges of my life, um, some ways don't necessarily get any better, but I'm, I'm now armed with uh, some scriptures to help me through this. And in December of 2015, now that's four years later, three and a half years later, uh, God spoke to me again and reminded me of this verse, this scripture, and encouraged me to do something, because I, I, I just want to do something. I don't know about you guys, but I just give me something to do. I'm I mean, prayer. Yeah, I'll go pray, but give me something to do. And God kept reminding me, no, prayer is the doing. Prayer is the doing. Don't pray to go do. Pray and do in your prayer, and then go do if God tells you to go do. But prayer is doing. If all you can do is pray, that's a great place to be. I know it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but prayer is is the, is the work. And our work is feeble compared, frankly, to what he could do in prayer. And you've probably all seen those examples of that. So he gave me a word to get my family and friends. I was challenged to get a couple dozen friends and family together and pray for a week. Fast and pray for a week for this specific thing that I was challenged with with my family. And God just opened up the heavens to us. Like I can say, ever since then, God has continued to be faithful, have me see what he's doing Not that it changed everything, but I could see his hand and his thread of love and life through the journey, through the storms, as I tack through life. So let's uh, unpack be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. Be joyful in hope. Uh, One of the verses that I would, there's a ton of verses on this, by the way. You look up joy, you look up hope, you find lots in the Bible about it. But let's talk about Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And we've all experienced that. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. God, are you going to actually do that someday? Am I going to survive this? I think I will. What if I don't? What if it doesn't get better? But then desire fulfills the tree of life. I love that song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. O Christ, the solid rock I stand on the other ground sinking sand. We all sing that song. And I just would challenge you next time you sing it, take it in. Because if my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then all the rest of the stuff is not that important. But again, they tend to crowd and crash in on us sometimes. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking to us. I know the plans I have for you, Tim. I know the plans I have for you, Matt, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's plans. That's God's promise. Hebrews 12 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What's the joy set before him? You guys The joy he had was knowing what he's going to do for our lives, to save us from our sin, to take away the burden of being imperfect, of striving and being lonely. He was going to take that away from us. If we let him, he's at the door knocking. You want to sign for the package or not? You don't have to sign, but he stands. So looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Shame? It's nothing. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So he went through that for us, simply. Titus 3, verses 4 to 7 says, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works, not because we're so cool, Done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that by being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. His goodness, His righteousness, His kindness. What's our part in it? Not a whole lot. Just being there and being willing to accept it. As we know from some of the scriptures, verses, and teaching we had recently, you know, monstrous things can be God's rescue for us. Jonah got swallowed by a monster and then thrown up on land. That was God's purpose for Jonah. Jonah Jonah's having trouble hearing from God. God says, I'll go to any extent. I'm going to get that man, I'm going to get him to hear me, and I'm going to get him to do my will, which will bless him and many people. I don't care what it takes. God was persistent. So sometimes monstrous things, difficult things, challenging things can be that which actually rescues us if we look at it a little differently. It's all about perspective. So there's one prayer I prayed, and, and I, I, I this sounds trite, and those of you who maybe heard it, um, you could easily do this not in sincerity. But um, years ago, God had me change my prayer life a little bit where I would pray, Lord, please give me my heart's desire about X, whatever it might be, or change my heart to match Your desire. I honestly don't care which. I don't care which. Deliver me from the situation. Deliver me this package. Deliver me this thing, or just tell me what it is that You want from me, and I'll and help my heart to understand that. So, Lord, please give me the heart, my heart's desire, or change my heart to Your desire. I don't really care which. Help me to see that and content with what you've given me or have for me. So that's my uh, unpacking of joy and hope. Uh, Let's talk about be patient in affliction. Or I would say don't quit in hard times. Paul wrote the epistles. Where? From a nice hilltop setting in in the Mediterranean? No, he wrote most of these from prison. And I'm guessing Rome prison wasn't so comfortable. In fact, Paul was in prison a number of times. Um, he was touched, and so were a lot of the, the disciples. So Paul wrote this in prison. He said in Second Corinthians to the Corinthians, for this light, momentary light affliction is preparing for us the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, he wrote this, and he could speak it with confidence and with um, reality, because he was... Being afflicted. He had been afflicted. He'd been challenged. He'd been um, knocked off his donkey, made blind at the very beginning of his faith. He knew what it was like for what he called momentary light affliction. It's an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. Paul's urging us here to be patient in times of trouble, in times of affliction. This is absolutely essential because when we become impatient in a situation, we often act unwisely and try to take matters in our own hands. I can speak... To that. And apart from leadership of the Holy Spirit, we rob ourselves of God's best for us. Now, I've had situations where I've had a solution to a problem and I've articulated that solution, written it down, ready to deliver the solution, felt it was just wonderful. Even tested it with some friends. Was just, this looks like something God wants me to do. And I'm ready to hit the button to make it happen and the Holy Spirit says stop. Don't do it. I have something different. I have something better. I thought I'd done a pretty good job. I thought I'd heard from God. I thought I'd done my work, done my homework. I read what I'd written and said this is, how do you improve on this? This is really good. And God says that's great, except it's not what I got. There's a verse in the Bible that says a word spoken in the right place is like an apple of gold and a setting of silver. I would reverse that and say a word spoken wrongly is like a rotten apple and a setting of crap. And I know I've delivered probably both. So, I mean, when you get an idea of how to resolve something in affliction, I got a resolution to this affliction, this problem, this situation. Seek the Lord. Seek the Bible. Seek friends. Be open to God giving you a different plan than maybe the really cool one you've developed that may be a really good one. It could be awesome. It's just not what he wants. And he's got a better plan for you. We have to remind ourselves that we simply can't improve on the plans that God has in store for us. We need to act upon the plans God has in store for us. Submit your plans to me, he says, and I'll, I'll direct your steps. So if God says to go this direction, you go that direction, if he says take a right, you take a right. You know, you may, not, you may be going away from where you think you're supposed to go, but you're tacking back to finally get the destination. God's got a better way, oftentimes, in fact, always. And I have a quote here that it takes, a village to, it takes a village to live a life. Don't go it alone. Lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ and I know you've heard this phrase, life's like a bowl of cherries. There's a lot of pits, right? There's a lot of trouble in life, and don't do it alone. Use the Word of God and your friends to be patient in affliction. Don't just try to solve it. Don't just try to fix it. Don't try to run from it like Jonah did. Weigh in. Press in. Hebrews 6.12 says, Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit promises. Be determined to lay hold of your share of the promises of God by exercising patience In times of tensions and trouble. By the way, if I didn't start saying this, I should have. Um, You know these words, and uh, as I'm even speaking them today, I really pray that it's the Holy Spirit speaking them, not Craig Dixon. These are part of my life's experiences. Hopefully, hopefully they're helpful to you. Um, But I really want to decrease so that Christ can increase, and that's something that doesn't come easily for Type A guys like myself. So I'm speaking these things very aggressively to you. Let God season them in your own heart. Let Him use them as He will in your life, as He has in mine. Okay, the last point is be faithful or persistent in prayer. As I mentioned earlier, prayer is not just to prayer is work. Prayer is the work. I have to say it to myself every morning. Prayer is the work because it really is prayer that undergirds what we do. Someone once said that the greatest sin is prayerlessness. Too often we miss out on seeing God show up in a situation in a mighty way because we failed to pray. It's not punishment from God. It's just the way it works. God's ways work, period. They work. You pray, God enters in. If you don't pray, God still enters in, but he's, you pray, God, you set the pattern of life. You, God hears from you. How do I know God hears from you? There's a couple stories in the Bible that encourage that. We'll talk about it in a second. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 17 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. How do you do that? How I do it? I can't honestly say I'm praying every minute of the day, but I can honestly say I'm praying probably at least multiple times every hour of the day that I'm awake. When I run, I'm talking to God often. When I'm at home, I'm talking to God often. God, what do you think about this? God, please be with me in that. Help me understand your ways. A, a conversation with God is what prayer is all about. It's a, it's a two-way conversation. I speak, he listens, and often, if you're listening, he speaks back to you. He gives you direction. Rejoice always in that and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's how the First Thessalonians. Then there's the parable of the widow and the unrighteous judge. I love this story. I'm just amazed that it's in here, I'm blessed by it. Uh, here's this, I'll read it, Luke 18, 1 through 6. And he told them a par- parable Jesus to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. And here is that story. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said, and will not, uh, let me see, uh lost my place here, I'm sorry for a second here, I got um, blurry vision here. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. I will not give justice to his elect. Will I not give justice to the elect who cries to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, you'll find faith on earth. We're an instant generation. We can, get, we can find anything we want pretty quickly on our little iPhones, our galaxy devices, our computers, Quick access; we can get instant instant results. This this widow was persistently bothering this judge, and I don't think it was probably in a in a day; it's probably over multiple days. She continued to come and say, "Please hear my case! Please hear my case! Please hear my case!" And he ignored her. And finally, he said, "Okay, I'm just tired of you. And so Jesus gave us example to say, "Do not grow weary asking, seeking for the judge the judge in heaven to hear your voice." Don't grow weary. Be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. Even though you, I prayed this prayer enough. No, you have not. Just continue. God puts on your heart as a burden. Continue to pray. Continue to seek Him. And don't feel like you need instant results. I know my life, I this chronology of some things that happened with me from when God spoke to me when I saw what He was doing, was four or five years later. You know, um, it didn't happen like next week. We demand instant results, and we often get them. But that's not often God's way. Some Christians are worried about praying too hard and long for certain things because the answer doesn't come in a reasonable time. They fear that they're out of God's will. But more than likely, in most cases, we step out of God's will and we stop praying for something that the Lord has put on our heart. If in on our heart, pray about it. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. Don't feel mad. Pray about it. One way that will get, help us determine God's will in a situation see how it lines with God's word. So if you're praying for something, ask yourself, how does this line up with God's word? What does, it, what does the Bible have to say about this? Seek the word of God. Find out what God says about what you're praying about. The Bible says we should be confident God will answer our prayers when they are in harmony with his will. God, give me desires of my heart or change my heart to match your desires. Whatever. Help me be in your will. Powerful prayer. 1 John verse 5, 14, 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Lord, please give me desires of my heart, or change my heart, as I mentioned before. You know, Tim talked about the guy that wanted the uh, Tesla, I think it was, that said, hey, I, got, I think I should get a Tesla. And then he saw a scripture that said, yeah, seek and you shall find, ask and it shall be given. I guess I need to get the $80,000 Tesla, even though I'm not, I, I get bank debt. I don't have the means, but I'm going to go get it because God told me. Well, that's out of context. So everything you do in context with God's Word, in context and in harmony with what God wants for your life, ask God, is this what you want for me? Seriously? Confirm it through your Word, through my friends, through my wife or husband. So that is my uh, unpacking of Romans 12.12. 12. I want to finish up with a challenge. Um, sometimes I love the messages version of the Bible. I, I often look at see just kind of a different way of, of approaching God's Word. And I love the way it challenges us in Romans 12. So I'm going to read Romans 12, 1 through 13. And uh, I would like to leave this with you as a challenge to you. So kind of listen to the words and maybe take a chance to look at Romans 12 and see if it speaks to you on your own. So here's what I want for you. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to this level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice plain second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to hear your word. Lord, we, we want to be the ones that sign at the front door to the package you deliver us to God to receive what you have for us, Lord. Lord, we confess that our flesh often gets in the way and that we have our own solution, our own ways of doing things. But Lord, we today decide that we want to follow you and your word to be joyful in hope patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.